0-1. Ripped into left field. Alex Rodriguez has delivered for New York. Rodriguez goes in a fly ball into right. Down the line. Gone. 2-0 New York. To the second baseman, Cano. The Yankees are back on top. World champions for the 27th time. To the heart, but got love for all. Line die in the fire where I learned the ball. Uptown is the place where I lay my dome. On the streets of the Bronx where my family roam. Oh, damn it, we home. Heater got a player haters can feel the flame for my heater. And welcome everyone to the Bronx Muchachos podcast. I'm your host, Mark. Alongside, we got the entire cast with us Danny. Yep. We got Dave. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back. We got Enrique. What's up, everyone? And we got Alex. Hello, everybody. Alex, how's it going, man? Tell us what's, what's been going on with you, buddy. Uh, nothing much. With all the news about Clint. Oh, yeah. Everything, everyone's seen that. And what Jeff and what Jeff Nelson and what CeCe's had to say about them as well. Yeah, man. That's That was actually pretty funny what he said. <laughs> <laughs> well, which one? Because <laughs> I like I like both of them said. <laughs> <laughs> like the comeback, the comeback was hilarious. The initial comeback, yeah, definitely. So, well, I like what CC said about um, Clint only playing 15 games in the big leagues. Like, <laughs> I found that to be hilarious. Like, yo, this guy's barely had a cup of water, cup of coffee, let alone water, nothing. And CC's like, why are we even talking about this? This is not even news at this point, you know? It's, it's, it's hilarious, yeah, that he was. Then he was saying he was going to punch someone in the face if he ever heard anyone talk about this ever again. Like, I think Clint, like, has just really sent some people in the orbit more more than any other former Yankees player that's either come or left. Like, I've never seen this before, ever. With A-Rod. A-Rod used to do this to everybody, too. Gone his merry way and just shut the bleep up. You know what I'm saying? I mean... I don't know. I just think it's hilarious because, like, I remember pre-pandemic when I went to um, spring training over in Tampa. I go there every – it was the first game. Everyone was all happy around this, around the fifth inning because Clint was out there. He was actually walking in, walking up and down, back and forth, and everyone was like, oh, my gosh, Clint Frazier, autograph, autograph, autograph. And he was, he was giving it. I wonder how those fans feel right now. But like, man, why do I have this autograph from this guy? Well, he's gonna have his fun time out in the Windy City. Him and him and him and Marcus Stroman are gonna be be doing well together. Both of them can't are are, are softer than than Plato. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but hey, so all our muchachos oh, and muchachas out there, just so you know, today's segment we're gonna be just basically going like this today. Everyone's gonna be talking. We're gonna give our little input, maybe a little input of even of the minors. Enrique, any news that you got for us? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I'm actually going to be talking about one of the Yankees' top pitching prospects. Um, I'm going to be talking about Luis Medina, um, ranked as MLB.com's number eight prospect. 
We're talking about a guy that has yet to receive that first call up to the bigs, but very well could in 2022. He made his debut in the Dominican League Wednesday, actually, this past Wednesday. Went two innings, four strikeouts, one walk, and no hits. He even clocked about 100 miles an hour on his fastball. Wow, Kid looks great. Sharp. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Looks very good. He's 22 years old, right-hander, signed in 2015, has shown great potential since bursting onto the scene in 2016, but struggled with his command. I think he had uh, the tune of maybe, what, a 5.51 ERA with 144 walks in about 183 innings pitch from 2016 to 2019, if I'm not mistaken. He basically had his struggles, but he also showed during that time that he has electric stuff. The kid had about 217 strikeouts during that time as well. So he definitely has an electric arm, has definitely showed flashes, which is why he's right up there with Clark Schmidt and um, Luis Hill. He spent 2019 in the Yanks alternate site, and then in 2021, between high A and double A, the strikeouts went up and he got his walks down. Plus, he lowered his ERA from 5.47 in 2019 to a 3.39 in 2021, and also lowered his whip to a 1.34 after having 1.57 in 2019. Kid has a dominant fastball, a decent curveball, and a changeup, which is his worst pitch. But as you know, with prospects, he can always get better. In my opinion, after losing Corey Kluber to the Rays, trading Nick Nelson to the Phillies, letting Thankfully, Andrew Heaney take off like Tommy from Power to Los Angeles. Good riddance. <laughs> and Darren O'Day still remaining unsigned. At the end of the day, I could definitely see Atlanta. a scenario where the kid helps the Yanks in 2022, whether that be in a starting role like what we saw from Luis Hill in 2021 or out of the pen like we saw with guys like Brody Kerner and Stephen Riddings or Ridings, sorry. I definitely could see this kid in pinstripes in the very near future. Maybe not out of spring training, because as we all know, the Yanks love to manipulate service time. But I could definitely see him during the the length of the season, either if an injury happens or as a September call-up. And um, I could definitely see a future where him, Schmidt, and Heal are playing dominant roles in, in our pitching rotation. That's what I got. I got a question for you there, Enrique. I know that last year in, in the 2020 Dominican, uh, or I shouldn't say Dominican, but the Puerto Rican Winter League, he was he pitched pretty well. And then during the Caribbean World Series, he took a massive step forward, especially with having Yanni Molina behind the plate for him. And, they, and his Puerto Rican team made it to the finals of the Caribbean World Series. Um, have you, have anything in your research shows that he, the, the steps, the big steps that he's made, taken Going forward, has he the fastball command? Is it the is it the secondary pitches? I know you said the changeup is isn't there yet, but it's with a fastball slider that he or a fastball curveball that he has. Is, you think instead of being a starting pitcher, you think he could be more like a relief pitcher, a possible closer in the making with the because you said he top he was topping out a hundred um, this past this past Wednesday. He's he's regularly topped out at one hundred two, one hundred three in the past. 
So that that screams that could scream right there, especially with with the control issues. That screams closer or relief pitcher, at least high end, like kind of like a Dylan Betances type of thing. What do you think I, about that? I could definitely see that happening. I could definitely see, you know, especially with a role this Chapman's contract coming to an end soon. I could definitely see him contributing in the bullpen either as a late inning guy or as a closer down the line. Um I know there was talks of uh, writings also possibly being a late inning guy in the future. So you never know, but I could definitely see that happening. I mean, the velocity is there and, you know, typically with these pitchers that have two good pitches and a third pitch, that's not all there. That typically is the way to go to put them in the pen and, you know, have them work out of life, high leverage situations. So yeah, I could definitely see that happening. How about you? So, Mark, I think you made a really good comp with Dela Patances. When he came up, he was throwing 96, 98. And then when he got to the bullpen, um, he was able to hit 100. I don't know if you guys remember that one at bat against uh, Mickey Cabrera. Like, in the middle of his prime, he hit 100 to strike him out. And that was kind of like Dela Patances coming <laughs> I out. I forgot party. about that. That was funny. That yeah, that was funny. great. He looked back. He looked back to the scoreboard to see he hit a hundred, and that was kind of his coming out party. So, I, I kind of see Luis Medina in the same elk, um, high octane fastball, right, and, and a really good breaking ball. Mm-hmm. Um, in that mm-hmm. per- Puerto Rican league, with, with Yadi behind the plate, he would just throw breaking balls, and it, it was nasty. Yeah, those guys looking foolish. So, um, that's a really good comp, Mark. I, I like that a lot. And even with, and especially when the Puerto Rican league, especially having Yachty right there, one thing that Yachty did was he taught him pitch, not just pitching selection, but pitching sequences. And when he, when Medina was beginning to lose control and lose it a little bit, he was a nice calming force to help push him through. And I think that was something he took into the 2021 season helped. So something he had in the back in his pocket that he could remember. And then anytime things got a little, went a little sideways for him, he was able to reach back and remember, oh, this is what happened at that time. This is what Yachty said to me. This is where we, where I can go and what something I can do at this point and right of the ship. I mean, he, Enrique, how many how many innings did he pitch this year in uh in 2021? Can you tell me that again? In 2021, he pitched 106. Oh, 106.1. 106.1. Right, and especially coming off the pandemic, that's a that's a good amount for a 20. Was he's like 22 years old, so it's a good amount of pitches right there. Gets him, gets him going and uh, moving forward from that point on. So hopefully next year he's looking at 130 to 140. So, and when he made his debut on Wednesday, he pitched two innings. So maybe, maybe even the team that he pitched for in the Dominican League even sees him as, you know, a short innings guy. So it's a very real possibility that that's his future for sure. Okay, okay, that's interesting. How about you, Danny? Do you have any news for us this week? Uh, yeah, so uh, my wife, is, she's active duty, uh, so she's out oh. to sea this week. So uh, well, Thank it's you for me. her service. Yep, thank you. Um, and uh, so I'm here with the kid, just me and her, just, you know, kind of hanging out, doing oh, research. Daddy daycare. daddy daycare yes, going on. 100%. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's just uh, hanging out for a bit, so I enjoy it. All right, so in terms of uh, – what we're doing this week, we're looking at some minor league players that uh, we want to highlight. Uh, two of the guys that I picked um, are are uh, 
are guys that you should know as as Yankee fans. Uh, they're both on the forty man roster. Oh, who are one, these guys? So uh, one is Clark Schmidt, right hand pitcher out of South Carolina. Um, he was our number six. Well, who's our number one pick uh, in 2017? And he was actually the highest draft pick uh, for the Yankees since 1991 when we drafted uh, Brian Taylor with the number one overall pick. Um, if you guys remember, he had Tommy John one week prior to um, being drafted. Um, and he made a big league debut in 2020. Um, so he's entering his 20, age 26 season. Um, mm-hmm. This is going to be his last year of rookie eligibility. So that means this following year in 2023, he's going to be up for arbitration uh, for the first time. Which really? So this is, a, this is a huge year for, for Clark Schmidt, uh, for him to show that he could be healthy. I think we all need to see that as Yankee fans. Um, what, what do you expect from him for the upcoming season? Well, I think he could provide something like uh, what Mike what Mike King did this year, um, and coming up, Mike okay. King, you know, multi multi inning reliever, uh, not necessarily a starter right now because he needs to pitch the innings. Um, if he goes out to trips Triple A and performs, then he has a good shot at becoming someone that the Yankees can rely on. Not every fifth day, but if there's an injury, he'll be a good replacement. Um, we all know that starting pitching is is very important, and you, you need to be deep. And Yankees have that. Well, potentially could have that depth. You know, Garrett Cole at the top, Montgomery, uh, Nesta Cortez had a really good year last year. Just to na- not, just to name a few, but uh, depth is is a really good option. So um, that's why I see Clark doing this year, but he needs okay. to prove it in AAA. All right, and anybody else you got? Yeah, Oswald Cabrera, Oswaldo Cabrera, um, switch any middle infielder. Um, he was signed out of Venezuela at age 17 for 100K. He's entering his age 23 season, and uh, he was just added to the 40-man roster. So his signing uh, year out of the out of Venezuela, 2015, you, may, you guys may know some of these names that he came out with. Luis Medina, right? He signed for 280K. Davey Garcia signed for 200K. Um, Esteban Florial signed for 200K. And the top earner for that class, uh, no one's ever heard of, because I, I don't even know who this guy was, Jesus Pestidas for 300K. So it, it just kind of shows you that um, how how difficult it is to, to really project how these guys are going to be, how, how these guys are going to be when they're 20, 21, 22. Out of that group, you know, Medina is a top prospect. Florial's got some big league time, same thing as Davey. So it's time for uh, Oswald to, to kind of show that he could uh, be in the same class. He's the Yankees, according to Fangrass, number 14 prospect, and according to um, LMB Pipeline, number 16. So he's a top top 20 prospect. Um, he won the AA Eastern League MVP, right? And I'll, I'll give you his slash line. He batted... 256 with a 311 on base, 492 slug, uh, for good for 803 OPS. And for his uh, one uh, weighted runs created, so that's like rated runs created plus. That's um, a stat that uh, is used to, you know, let me say it specifically, it takes the statistics, runs created, and adjusts that number to account for per, uh, important external factors like ballpark, ERA. 
Um, so it's adjusted to league average. So 150 would be 50% above league average. So he was 14% above league average in double A. But let me show you some staggering numbers in his nine games in triple A. Five on, give, me some, give me some. Give me something that's gonna make me really stagger. I, I really need a stagger, man. It, it's it's staggering. Five homers, eleven RBI, five walks, um, a one point seven one seven OPS, and a three thirty five WRC plus. So he was three hundred percent better that's... than league average in his nine games in AAA. Good um, lord. Yeah. <laughs> the heck's he doing down there, man? So he came up in September, right? And his well, that's a little too late, in my opinion. He should have came down, came up before then. Yeah, yeah. Because like, twenty homers, sheesh. Twenty homers, seventy-eight, twenty-four homers, 20, seventy-eight RBI, twenty stolen bases in Double A. Mm-hmm. Now, and I got some even more interesting stats for him too. Um, in Double A, he had a forty-five percent fly ball rate. So 45% of the time he made contact, I mean, 40, uh, of all the times he made contact, 45% of the time he hit the ball in the air. Uh, okay, but, like, let's be real for a minute. That, that was in AAA, right? That was in AA. That was in AA. Okay. Yeah. But, like, that 45% pop-up rate, that's nice if it's a pop-up. But the minute he gets over to the majors, that pop-up rate's going to turn it into a home run rate. And that's not going to look good for us either, then, because all we're going to be getting is, oh, look, look, here comes this guy who's a who's a bum. Oh, great, he just hit a home run on the, off of us, and he shouldn't have. Yeah, so he's hitting the ball. He's hitting the ball in the air, not on the ground, which is what we want. He only hit into five uh, double plays all 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 of last year in 109 games played. Wait, a minute, um, only five? Only five. Yeah, throughout the entire I'm, year. Trade him. <laughs> trade him. Trade the bum. So no, this, this is Osvaldo Cabrera, man. No, we okay, need well, him. So, if he's so good, then guess what? That's nice. But he's not up there then. He came in the spring. So let's be real. He's not going to be worth it. He's going to be trade bait whenever everything's back to normal. That's what he is. We'll see. Prior to this year, he only had 22 career homers in the minors. So this was a big year for him. Um, 29 homers overall. Um, and, uh, we'll see if the, we'll see if the pop is real. I would um, like to th- think it's real being a switch hitter, just looking at his swing, he has a high leg kick, but his head is really quiet. Um, and he has similar swings on both sides of the plate. So when you look back on switch hitters that we had back in the day during mm-hmm. our dynasty, Bernie Williams, if you looked at him from the left side or the right side, identical, Hoyer Posada, same thing. So he has the same type of, uh, mechanics on both sides of the play, which leads to me that, uh, you know, there's some potential for success, right? You want rep- re- re- you want to have your mechanics repeatable. As long as it's repeatable, you can hit the fastball, you can hit the breaking ball, whatever it is. You got to keep the head silent, high leg kick. Uh, mm-hmm. I-, I like to see um, him break in 2022, kind of the role that Tyler Wade did, had, kind of the same, same way Tyler Wade had, so... And you know, one thing I did read about about Cabrera is that he spent he's what he wound up doing was he spent the uh, pandemic year mimicking his swing off of Frankie Lindor. So that's the highlight kick, the swing pattern, the swing path. Everything was based on him. So he he did that every single day for what year year and a half and mimicked his swing. And that's where a lot of the pop came from 
a lot of the hard contact came from as well. So if you can, if he can keep that going, now see if he, he did it in Double A. And you, Danny, you and I know better than everybody else exactly that Double Double A is, is the line of demarcation. If you make it there, you're go, you're moving, you're move, you have a shot at the big leagues. So if he can do it there, then I think that it, he's got a he's got a shot at something, and he and it's a good it's a, it's a good thing to have. I think you know with him being the Double A MVP, that just shows that. He's facing competition that is either on the brink of being a big league, big leaguer, or are high prospects. Those in, in, in double A is where you're going to see the guys that are throwing 95 plus to 100, just like in the big leagues. In the lower levels, you're not going to get the same type of pitching. So you're going to get fastballs, breaking balls, two seamers, cutters. But in double A, you're getting, you're getting everything, you know. Um, so I, I look forward to see what he could do. In spring training, since he's part of forty man um, <laughs> roster, he's going to be here in spring. That's true. That is true. And how about you, Dave? You got anything for us this week? Oh uh, well, let's see. Family and I are flying back to Rhode Island for a week of vacation to bring little man home to meet the rest of the family since he was born during the pandemic last year. So Ooh. flying out on Sunday, be back the following Sunday. So yeah, that's going to be interesting. Taking a uh, almost two year old through. An airport, so well, I'll probably be about seven bourbons deep by seven o'clock in the morning. So we'll say seven hours. We're uh, going to tell you have like about five, but okay, never mind. Good luck, bro. <laughs> uh, other than that, uh, back to baseball. Really, man, I hope this lockout ends soon. I, can, I don't know how much more of this I can actually take. This is this is just sad and pathetic. Anyway, the moving whole on. Season. Uh, two guys. The whole season. Stop. Uh, two guys I got on my radar in the minor leagues. They are not on the 40-man roster, and I don't think they get enough love as they should. First being uh, Ken Waldachuk. He's 23 years old, left-handed starting pitcher. Uh, started 23, uh, 23 games, 21 starts, 6-3 and three record, 3.03 ERA, 110 innings pitched, uh, 51 walks to 163 strikeouts, allowed 13 home runs, 37 RBIs, 76 hits, and held an opponent batting average to 193. This guy seemingly has flown under the radar somehow, some way this whole year. Um, actually, the last couple of years, but last year was his real breakout year um, in Double A. He at one point was completely undefeated. He had an ERA under two at one point. And then as the season progressed, he, they figured out how to hit him. He's been compared to people like Andy Pettit, uh, especially with these numbers. Uh, he's a young dude, 23 years old. Uh, I really hope that he can crack the 40 this year or maybe make an impression in spring training because he's eligible for the Rule 5 draft in 2022. Uh, his strikeout rate, 22.3%, according to Fangraphs. He's the ranked number 10 prospect in the Yankee system, according to Fangraphs. He's got a 10% walk rate. Uh, I really like his stuff. I really like it. Just everything about this kid, I'm really, I'm really liking, really digging. Second guy I got my eye on, he plays right field, left field, center field, and DH. Primarily a center fielder. He's from Pensacola, Florida. Local guy, Brandon Lockridge. 75 games between single A and double A, 299 at-bats, 298 batting average, 16 doubles, 2 triples, 13 home runs, 46 RBIs, 
18 stolen bases, 85 strikeouts, 89 hits, OPS 487, on base percentage 352, and slug 442. Uh, he's actually eligible for a Rule 5 draft now. And with the outfield trouble we're having, I honestly don't think Floreal is the answer. I could be wrong. Floreal has had a, a rough run, especially with getting his arm broken in spring training a couple of years ago. It just seems like he never was the same baseball player after that. Um, but, yeah, Lockridge is uh, stats. And he's a, he's, a, he's a right-handed hitter. Oh, well, we'll deal with it. Primarily a center fielder, which is what our biggest need is right now. Um Judging by how many games he played, I'm, I can only assume he was injured. I couldn't find anything uh, on that. But 75 games and over the course of a six-month season would probably lead you to believe that he got a late start somewhere or was hurt. So those are the two guys that I'm keeping my eyes on. And Lockridge is ranked 19th in the Yankees system. So, so Dave, I got a question for you. <clears throat> With Lockridge, where do you see – I know he's been playing a lot of center field, but when – where do you see him in regards to the, to the 2022 Yankees? Is he kind of going to be on the Scranton? Uh, but he's going to be on the Scranton bus lot, or or the Scranton shuttle? I should he say he might or is- be. He, he he might be. I mean, I don't know, man. It's hard to tell with these prospects, and it's hard to tell what's going to happen with the, you know, the philosophy that this organization has. It seems like anybody that they need to protect on the roster, they don't, and they end up getting. Scooped up by another team, prime example, Garrett Whitlock last year when the Red Sox grabbed him. You know what I mean? There's just no way to tell. I would like to see him in Scranton. I'd like to see him in AAA to see what he can do. And I'd like to see him get maybe get an invite to spring training to put the fire to Floreal and uh, Hicks's feet a little bit, you know, and create some competition. Dave, do you see him getting – a shot at the bigs over Florial. Like, do you see him jumping ahead of Florial in the pecking order? I mean, if he performs, yeah, absolutely. Because our outfield depth has been completely depleted. And it's just been, I mean, they lost Greg Allen. Pirates claimed him. There goes a depth piece. You know, Ryan Lamar was a, was a fill-in. They traded Tyler Wade to L.A., you know, they've depleted their outfield depth a lot. Frazier went to Chicago. You know, I don't see why this kid wouldn't get a look. If he can stay healthy, if he can play the field, if he can be productive in the batter's box, why not? He at least deserves a look. Unless you want to bring back Ryan Lamar or Brett Gardner for another one to two years. Because that's what the alternative is. Or Joey Gallo, who can't hit his weight in the batter's box. So I'd rather have a kid that can bat 298. I mean, granted, it was split between two levels of the minors, but, I mean, the kid can still swing a bat. Well, we all, know, we, we all know that Mike Talkman can't come back since he's out in South Korea now. So that's another that's another one cash we can't bring around again. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but my, yep. My, yep. I'm not actually on the fence when it comes to um, to what's going to happen in the outfield with the Yankees because, like, who, it's, it's insane with all the moves that they've been doing lately. Like, I don't know what they're thinking. I, I hope that our prospects are going to come up, and they do, do come up very well because another year with Brett Gardner, oh, my gosh. Just let me go get my grave now. Yeah, please. I don't think, please, yeah, no Brett Gardner, bro, please. Enough is enough. Unless they bring him back as a coach. I mean, be okay. 
I mean, they've made it abundantly clear that they really don't want to sign free agents. So you might as well start looking at internal solutions and try to solve the problem that way. Because I don't know, I've been feeling for the last couple of days with the guys they got in the minor leagues that have really performed last year, comparing that to what they got on the roster now, I kind of feel like there's another youth movement like we had in 2016 coming, man. I just just got that gut feeling that something is going to happen where half the roster is going to be prospects pretty soon. Well, let me, well, here, well, that's an interesting thing. Because this can't thing. continue. Well, that's an interesting thing there because do you think let, – let's let me throw this question out to everybody now. We we believe that 2016, the retool of 2016 and the baby bombers that that came from there was supposed to be the springboard and the catalyst to a new quote-unquote dynasty. And it kind of hasn't happened that way. Sanchez took a step back, labored for the past two years, t- taking a step back. Seve, unfortunately, has been hit with the injury bug. Uh, Greg Bird was on that team, and he's gone completely. So let's let me ask this question: Quick Stuff <laughs> does were this twenty the, these baby bombers that we're talking about here right now was do you, the is the window shut for them? And should there be should we really think about doing a, t- a quote unquote tear not a teardown but a no. a second retool because I. No, At some point, no. these guys. I, I would say that. I'm gonna say. I no. would say that. Uh, I would say, as far as the baby bombers go, I think the only one that really stays is Judge. I think no, everybody else I, is expendable. I mean, I wouldn't shut the door on Glaber, bro. It's too soon to shut the door on him. I know he had a bad 2021, <laughs> but he's still so young. Like I'd say, Glaber and Judge. I'm with you on Sanchez, though. I, it, that project is done. In my opinion, so uh, the offseason is not done yet. I, I understand that when the lockout. What offseason? It's not done. Called purgatory. Thank Manfred for this one again. This is the purgatory. <laughs> Hashtag Thank Manfred. Lockout. It's yeah. miserable. We all hate the lockout, but it's not done yet. So we can't say definitively what's going to happen. Um, Come spring, like it could be a completely different um, spring uh, team. Come spring, um, mm-hmm. there's still out free agents out there that have not been obtained, right? There's still trades out there. They're not going to spend made. the money though, Danny. We got to see. We got to give them the a money. chance. We got to give them a chance. If they come to spring and they don't do anything and they they don't spend any type of money, I think we're all going to be pissed, and we we should be pissed. But at this point in time, I think it's prudent to to kind of be patient and, and see what is going to happen. We got to see what's going to happen. But Danny, I look at it this way. In a way, I'm kind of okay with them not spending money now, the more I look at it. It's like, let's be real for a minute. Let's look back in the past. All of our great Yanks, okay? And I'm talking about the real greats. I'm talking about the Mantos. I'm talking about the Maggio. I'm talking about um, the Yankee Clipper, okay? Come on. How do we get them? Did we get them from a trade? No, we drafted them. We worked them out through our system. Okay, if that's the mentality that we're going to go Actually, right now. Drafting the first MLB draft didn't happen until the late 60s, by the way. Yeah, okay, but you get what first I'm First MLB draft was in 1964. First pick was Rick Monday. But those and guys. And during were, that were, time, there wasn't free agency from what I could remember. Yeah, but like there might not no, be free agency, but we're still signing. Not until the 70s. Yeah. So not free agency like we know it today. No, no. The, the game was completely different in the 50s and 60s. The reason why we dominated the 40s, 50s, and 60s is because teams 
controlled their players. Did you they didn't the have and the opt-outs. 20s? The, the 20s, the, from the 20s all the way to the 60s, teams did not have, uh, players did not have the opportunity for opt-outs, for sure. arbitration, for free agency. So teams like the Yankees held on to those players and did year-by-year contracts, right? Okay. So back in the day, Willie Mays and Mickey Mantle were top of the game. They're each making like 120, 100K, right? And, and that was big money for them back in the day. But the Yankees and the Giants and those old teams controlled those guys. I mean, look, the way I see it, at the end of the day, if March comes around, given that there is a season and we still haven't done anything, then I agree with you, Danny. Then we have something to be pissed about. But um, but they got to do something. They got to do something. Um I don't know if they're going to wait until they get a judge extension done to be able to do something that might be their motive. But, um, but yeah, as far as a retooling mark to answer your question, I don't think a complete retooling is necessary. I think you have pieces in place with Cole, with judge. As I said, I wouldn't give up on Glaber yet. You got Stanton locked up for a long time. You got pieces just Build around them. That's my take anyway. Talking about this is that you just named four pieces, and there's a lot more pieces that need to be put around this team. You still need a first baseman, still need a shortstop, still need a third baseman because much as everyone like loves Geo, Geo's going to the wrong side of 30. So he's not – I don't see him as a yeah. long-term solution. Gallo doesn't look like he's a long-term solution in left field. Still need a center fielder. Still need a catcher. There's too many, there's too many holes at that point. Yep. That's what I'm saying. Maybe do a re- maybe do another retool, and then don't prospect hug along the way. If you're not going to prospect, it, it's going to be down to one of two things: you can either prospect hug, or you can turn around and use these prospects to get us what we need. And you can have a couple of our guys here who are more untouchable than the rest, like a Volpe, a Peraza. Well, either one of those two are going to have to be traded, in my opinion, because I think one of them is going to be used to get Matt, Matt Olson or something along those lines, because. We're gonna to have to get it. Use that. Use the use the equity we have to move forward. Even Dominguez is is as non-touch as a non-starter as he is. He's a little bit more tradable than maybe a Volpe is right now. Or maybe they'll they'll use Volpe as the big portion of a deal to get a major a major piece, so they don't have to give up a lot of other pieces in the end. But like I said, I think a retool might be in order, especially with the fact that the team has become stagnant. Along the way, the past two years they've been they're a stagnant team offensively. They're not they don't hit they don't hit the ball well. They they're not the contact's not there. If they don't run, they're very stagnant on the bases. You can see last year that they were buffoons on the base paths too. They can't run, you know getting thrown out third base. They they were the biggest. They had the most thrown, most runners thrown out from going from third home. I mean, how do you? That's how you lose games to be exact. Yeah, I mean it, it. It's kind of it's a ridiculous thing, and you can And as much as you want to blame it on the third base, um, uh, third base coach, it's also the fact that third base coach knows that he doesn't have players that can make the that has to be. They have to push because they can't hit the ball because they're strikeout, walk, or home run. So all these things are where they are to be. Speaking so of like, like I was saying last Sorry. week too, like I was like I was saying last week too. Either play him or trade him. You can't hold on to these kids forever. You're just stunting their development. And honestly, I mean, you have Cabrera, Peraza, Waldachuk, Lockridge, Medina. 
these are all guys in the minor leagues that you can sprinkle in and have that balance between veterans and rookies. And even Hill. Hill's another good pitcher that I, that I can see has a bright future. You got to do something. And I don't think holding on to them and stunting their their growth is, is exactly the greatest option to do. And another thing, they're their own this organization is their own worst enemy. It seems like when they get a star big player at a certain position, they don't draft to back up that position. They've been hard on Sanchez. They haven't really drafted a catcher until Austin Wells came along or in Siegler, but we don't know which way those two guys are going to pan out. You haven't drafted a first baseman in forever, I feel like. You haven't really drafted a center fielder in forever. A third baseman, you got all, all these holes because you're not drafting people because you got guys on the major league roster that they're putting all the eggs in one basket with. And they, they got to get better at doing that because now you're in a dilemma with, first, with a first baseman. Say you can't sign Freeman. Say you can't sign Rizzo. What do you do then? Voight? Voight's more of a DH this right now. You know? So. There's, too many, there's way too many DHs on this team to begin with. I mean, at any point, you could put Sanchez oh, a DH. Yeah. Voight should be a DH. You could judge, you could be, judge could be a DH for a little while, too. As, as much as we love him in center, I, I don't like him in center field as much. I'd rather put Gallo there because Gallo can play center. But Judge can. I mean, Judge, Judge needs a good center field when they put him there. I mean, he did, oh, you're, you're right, but you're right, but they put they put Judge there, and Gallo actually has been playing center field in the big leagues for what the same amount of time. Him and Judge have been up in the in the bigs the same the same amount of time. They have the same they have the yeah, same well, service time. Analytics is saying no. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Tell me how the analytics did for our team with with batting. <laughs> how to do with the base running too? Oh man. 152 double plays. That's what it did. <laughs> yeah, that's they don't care about the exit velocity on the ground. Let me ask you guys something. Yeah. Given this whole thing that we're talking about, about prospect hugging and, you know, who to keep and who to trade, what do you guys think about the guys we brought up earlier in the, in the, in the podcast, the pitchers? Like, what pitchers do you keep? Do you keep Medina, Hill, and Schmidt? Long term, all. all three of them, or do Trade you them all. State? I don't. Schmidt's not a long term solution. No way. How about you, Mark? I don't you think, think so. All right, this is what I think. I think that a lot of I think a lot of them are going to be on the Scranton shuffle, Trade Scranton all. shuttle. Excuse me, but I don't think I don't think Schmidt's the long term solution. I think he's going to be a back end bullpen guy. I think that Medina. I, I was a, I was the one who's all for him being being a closer, and. That brings me to a couple of guys that I've been looking at as well. Who you been looking so, at, brother? Tell us. I have this guy. I've been looking at this one person here, Hayden Wesnitsky. Excuse me. He was born December fifth, nineteen ninety-seven. He's twenty-four years old out of Houston, Texas. He was drafted in the sixth round of the two thousand nineteen draft out of Sam Houston College. What he he's a right-handed pitcher. And what he wound up doing during his time there is he set the school record for D1 record with 110 strikeouts in his junior year. When he went for his when he went and went for his uh his tryouts and his his workouts pre-draft, he was topping out at 100 at, at 98 miles an hour. So he has a <clears throat> excuse me he has a, a good sinker which sat between 89 to 95 and out of a low three quarters arms slot. He added. An, he, since he got drafted from the Yankees, he got he added a mid nineties four seam fastball to go along with the swing, the slinker. He's got a sweeping low eighty slider and a fading changeup, which is in the works. He's a he, this is the type of guy that you can project him one of two places. He's not a top end starter, 
So it's more he's a back end guy, or he's another guy that's coming in for relief. If you're topping, if you got a mid nineties fastball that he could probably jack that up to upper nineties, you're looking at another just high velocity guy coming in, coming in with gas, and that might be where he's supposed to be. Because if you look at all the numbers he had in A ball, he was he had a seven start, seven games pitched, seven starts. He had one one and one record with a one point four nine ERA, and that's in thirty six point one innings. He had 47 strikeouts with nine walks. He had an average against of 0.194 with a whip of 0.91. That's a nice little sample size for high A ball. You take him to double A, he went eight and four with a 4.01 ERA in 30, in, excuse me, 83 innings. And that's 15 games with 15 starts. He had 92 strikeouts and 22 walks. His average against was uh, was a 241 average with a whip of 1.18. He then got bumped all the way up to AAA, which is where he's been, which he went. He was there for 11 innings. He had a 2 and 1 record with a 3.27 ERA. With, that's out of three games pitched with two starts. He had 12 strikeouts, five walks, a 244 average against with a 1.16 ERA. That, though, as, as he progressed through the system, everyone kind of figured him out. He wasn't get he wasn't blowing it. He wasn't blowing the ball by everyone. As you can see, he still had his strikeouts, but he wasn't he was getting hit and he was getting touched up for runs. Probably probably looked like he had a lot of home runs against him as well. That's that screams that doesn't scream a starting pitcher. That screams a relief pitcher right there. We we Yankees are really good at turning out a lot of relief pitchers. They're they're having a lot big problem getting a lot of starting pitchers. And the next guy I looked at, which is someone ever as, as a name everybody knows which is Debbie Garcia. Debbie was born on May 19th, 1999 out of Bona, Bona Dominican Republic. He signed with the Yankees and on the, he's one of the J2 babies for two, $200,000 in 2015. He's 5'9", 165 pounds. Know what that means? A lot of people are already – that was one strike against him that everyone was betting against that he's not going to be able to handle 180 innings per season. Oh, I was just going to say that he needs some steroids. <laughs> yeah, not not in this day and age, but, he needs, you know. He, That's what he yeah. needs. He's a little small to me. Just a pitch, right? Just, just a tad. You know, he, he, needs, he, needs to get, he needs to get that weight gainer going is what he needs. I mean, like, he could go over to, you know, he's a Yankee. He's in the prospects. He could go to a nice steakhouse every now and then. Well, you know, down Miami, go to Prime One Twelve, or come up here to go to go to uh, Burns along the way. Sounds nice. He's to go to Buffalo Wild Wings and eat a whole platter of chicken wings. <laughs> get fat that way. And then he's gonna come out losing weight because he's gonna throw oh, no, it all he's gonna, up. He's gonna, he's gonna lose the muscle. Yeah. He's not gonna lose the weight. He's just gonna add on the weight. He's gonna look like everybody else at that no, sitting on this go, podcast. He's gonna go. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! I'm not big. I'm big bold. <laughs> you you keep telling yourself that at night while you're eating your bowl, while you're eating your carton of ice cream, all right? Hey, hey, hey! You don't gotta go out there like that. <coughs> David used to get on CC's diet when he was in the big leagues. Well, the Captain we'll Crunch one cereals, Captain Crunch. Just get fat and throw ninety five. Let's go. I don't know how CC did it though. Like, let's be real. He was so huge. Dude, and then did you the see him? He, he is ripped. He, no, I want that body. <laughs> Yo, he does, veg- he does a vegetarian diet for a while. Now. He does it's vegetarian ridiculous. diets now. And he just works out like every, mor- every morning for like three hours a day. Or maybe that's a little bit too much, but a couple hours a day every morning. 
But why couldn't he do that with the big league? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, but going back to going back to Debbie for a second. Going back to Debbie, he he's got four he's got four pitches. He's got a four seam that sits usually between ninety one to ninety five with a good spin rate up in the zone. Mm-hmm. You, he's averaged about a, about two thousand one hundred seventy RPMs and sits around an average of ninety two miles an hour. He's okay. got a twelve six hammer curve, sitting mid seventies, which is his best pitch, or I should say, which was his best pitch because I'll get into that in a second. He's got a changeup with low eighties with a, with a good fade, and he's got a slider in the in the low 80s, which showed a good amount of promise. So here's what he here's what happened with him. In 2020, he went three and two with a 4.98 ERA in 34.1 innings, mm-hmm. six starts, six games. He had 33 strikeouts and six walks. He had, he had an average against of 254 with a whip of 1.19, and that's all in the in the big leagues. He didn't he didn't he was part of the Scranton sh- uh, shuttle. He pitched well, and then you know the debacle that happened in the playoffs against the Rays where he pitched for one. He was used as an opener, which Cashman and the analytics team and Boone all should have been fired right after that game for doing something as, as insane as that. They, that, that should have been the, the nail. Because Jay for Hap was our but, savior. But, but wait a minute, wait a minute. That means we have to have an owner that actually cares about our team. Owner cares about making sure that the, that the, that his pockets are lined with the, with the hundreds of millions of dollars he gets. But here's the problem that happened with Debbie. Debbie took a massive step backwards this year. So he pitched a couple games. He pitched two games in the in the big leagues this year. Went 0 for 2. I'm sorry, 0 and 2 with a 6.48 ERA in 8.1 innings. That doesn't cut it, no matter what you're talking about. He had seven strikeouts and four walks, 250 ER, uh, 250 batting average, and a 1.44 WHIP. Got sent back down to the AAA, and during AAA he was. Three and seven, with tw- uh, out of twenty-four games with twenty-two starts, had an ERA of six point eight five, ninety point two innings. He had ninety-seven strikeouts and sixty-six walks. Those numbers right there should be a mind-boggling for everybody. He had an average. His average against was two point eight five. I'm sorry, um, not two point eight five, but uh, two eighty-five average against, with a WHIP of one point eighty-eight. This is where he fell. From everything I read, this is where he fell apart. This past offseason, he he down in the Dominican. He worked with Pedro. Pedro Martinez worked with Sevi before. He's worked with. He will work with every single Dominican pitcher known to man. He doesn't care if you're a Yankee, if you if you're a Red Sox, if you're a Marlin, if you're a Padre. It doesn't matter to him. Being from the Dominican Republic matters the most to Pedro Martinez, and he will help every single pit, Dominican pitcher reach the next level. So, oh, that's so great, of Pedro. He's helping his daddy out. <laughs> hey, remember after two? Remember after what is? What was it? Two thousand eighteen? Was it two thousand eighteen? Or was it two thousand eighteen? No, two thousand seventeen season. He he worked with he worked with Sevi. He taught he taught Sevi the the change of that season. Sevi almost was a was a Cy Young winner that year. That's true. That is true. So, so yeah. and that and that's all and that was all Sevi working with Pedro and Sevi used to say oh, oh, Pedro would work with me he goes oh be there at twelve o'clock he was there at like eleven o'clock in the morning making sure that he wasn't going to keep Pedro Martinez waiting so working with Pedro Devi and with the Yankees they they all agreed that Devi should change his arms his arm slot okay that turnaround was was the nail in the coffin for Devi's season this year he lost the feel for every single one of his pitches. Fastball was all over the place, and most importantly, which is his curveball, he couldn't get the feel for the curve. This entire season was a wash for him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Going into next season, if 
if he doesn't change, this is this is his make or break season for me. Because if he doesn't change, if he if the arm angle doesn't fix itself, he's got he's it's a done deal. He's gonna he's he's lost all trade value right now. So he can't so he's not worth anything on the market. Can't use him as a starter right now. So which means that at best he's gonna be a long reliever. And I mean the way baseball is going nowadays, long relievers are what we're gonna they're gonna need a lot more long relievers than just one inning guys. But he can't. But it doesn't seem like he can handle the long relief job as as we're talking. So basically, you're saying that that we're that baseball is transitioning, in a way, kind of back to the '80s where we had the relievers doing two or three innings, realistically over one inning. I'm saying that baseball is going away from the starting pitcher going six, seven innings, and they're going four or five, maxing out, and then you're going to need you're instead of and then instead of burning out your entire bullpen with one inning guys, you're going to have to use couple, you're going to have a couple guys that can go two, two to three, possibly four innings along the way, or at okay, least so have them stretched out it long enough. Hey, let's not forget. Um, you're also leaving out these clubs that are now going with this whole opener thing and starting with a guy that goes one inning and then a two inning guy to bridge the gap and then a three inning guy. So the game's changing as far as uh, how pitchers are used. So just just overall with with pitching um, in the big leagues, I, we're all right, right, Mark. You're right in in, in the way uh, big big league clubs are using their pitchers. They want guys who empty the tank, right? That throw a hundred, and they're not expecting starting pitchers to to go longer than six or seven, right? They don't expect that whatsoever. They want guys to be throwers, okay, for the most part. Um, Guys back during the '80s and '90s, they had to, they used to have to have three pitches at least to be in the big leagues. Now, if you have a high '90s fastball with a with good breaking ball, you're going to be in the big leagues because the the expectation is not the same as it was back in the day. Um, but to get back to Davey, um, man, I, I'm so disappointed in, in the way the Yankees messed up up essentially. Uh, when a guy has a high um, oh, man, spin I'm, rate, I'm searching for the word spin rate. Yeah, thanks, Mark. When a guy has a high spin rate, they usually come in on top of the ball, getting that backspin. Okay. When they come in, when they come in three fourths, or they're changing the arm angle, the same spin rate and the same backspin of the ball is not going to be the same, right? It's going to be lower. So when when Davey was in the big leagues in, in twenty, he had that over the top kind of arm angle. Right, and that's how he was getting guys out at 91, 92 at the top of the zone, and with the breaking ball going 12 to six, you're able to get swings and misses at the top of the zone, and weak contact at the top of the zone, and when he threw that slider to kind of offset that and give him a different look, you know, he was ex- he was effective with it, right, and a little change up, but the fact that these guys who are professionals, they they know pitching, they know things like that. And, and they just went against the curve and, and completely destroyed this guy, I, I feel like it's unacceptable. You know, it's, it really is. They got to look in the mirror and see how they could help him out because it's uh, it's terrible. Well, just to piggyback off what Danny was saying, I to go back to saying whether they ruined him, I completely agree. I mean, I kind of feel like they rushed him through the minor leagues because he was letting it up at a ball – I think he pitched in rookie league before they got rid of it, <clears throat> and double A. 
he blew the doors off double A, and then he went straight from double A, if I remember correctly, straight to the big club. Completely skipped triple A altogether. Maybe had a cup of coffee at triple A. I can't remember. But it just seems like to me, for as short as he is, he's trying to overthrow the ball. I think that's his biggest problem because it looks like he's just straining his entire upper torso to throw the ball 90 to, uh, to 98 to 100 miles an hour. And it just seems like he's overthrowing it. And that may be the reason why he lost the feel for his pitches and everything like that. I mean, I'm not a divvy hater by any stretch of the imagination. I want the kid to be successful, but until I think they need to break down his mechanics and break down his delivery and kind of rework some things to coincide with his, his build, his height, and his, uh, his structure, I think he'll be fine after that. They can figure out what to do with them mechanically. Or just make him go back to over have instead of going to this, this three quarters arm slot, go back to where he was before. At least he'll get he'll get his RPMs back to where it was. He'll get that he should get that curveball yeah. back. And I mean, if he if he can sit that if he can sit with at least the curveball, a fastball and a curveball, or at this point now because it seems like well, everyone's learning, curveball. everyone's learning. A, yeah, well, his curveball was was his bread and butter pitch. But if you can teach at this point nasty. now, if you can, if he can teach teach him over the top, go for a, a sinker because it seems like every the sinker is, is the pitch that's back in fashion again. You turn around, and do something like that. Now you're talking about. Now that's something that you can work in in the back end of the rotation, or not even back end of rotation, back end of the bullpen. Because now you can now you can just sit down and go, okay, you got a curve, got a got a sinker. Maybe once in a while, flash that fastball up in the zone to get them off of everything, because everything's breaking down. That's that's where I honestly I think that that could happen for Debbie, and Debbie can could sit and be an eighth inning guy coming in. Go go Debbie, then go straight to Loisaga or. Medina, if he get, makes it up there, things like that. That's just kind of setting the table along the way. I mean, you work backwards. Go. I think Loisaga is, is the future. Is the is the closer of should be the closer of the present now. I mean, Chapman's kind of burned a lot of bridges along the way with it with his being with him being so erratic that he is. Then you go Loisaga. Then you can mm-hmm. bring in like a guy like Debbie. Heck, even go in and do something like uh, um, bring Medina in that, that way. So, I think. I think that's what I, I mean, think. Just to think of yeah. what that, just to think of what that bullpen could actually be, Medina, uh, Hill, Loisica, and then some some other flamethrower. I mean, that's just that's just disgusting. <laughs> think about how hard throwing the back end of that bullpen could possibly yeah. be, man. You, you <laughs> sir, <laughs> you sir are totally Good totally luck. right though. David, you are totally right on that. Who knows what could happen on that one? But I do know one thing, and you want to know what that is? Tell that me. is. All right, so let's take a look at some of the polls that we have posted on Twitter. The first one was who people think is the next infielder to come to the Yankees, whether it be Correa, Baez, Story, or Bryant. Correa came in at 45%, Baez zero because of his contract with Detroit, obviously. Trevor Story at 50%, Chris Bryant at 5%. The other one we had floating around out there was who people thought the next first baseman would be. Freddie Freeman comes in at 36%, Anthony Rizzo 29%, but the dead tie with Matt Olson at 29% and Luke Voigt getting 6% of the vote there. And the last one was who would be the next first base coach. And we got Eric Chavez edging out Brett Gardner 57% to 43%. So that's the poll results that we put out to the people. And don't forget, guys, next week or coming up, we're going to start doing mailback questions. So if you want to reach out and get your questions in, 
email us at bronxmuchachos at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram with the hashtag askmuchachos. We are done, everybody. So all muchachos and muchachas, have a great day. And David, would you like to say anything else to the ladies and gentlemen out there today? So to all the faithful followers and listeners, if you want to get at us and uh, have some you made it this far on the pod, yeah, <laughs> our email address is bronxmuchachos at gmail.com. If you want to drop us a mailbag and get at us, and if there's anything particular you want answered on the next episode or episodes coming up, let us know. We're also on Twitter, at bronxmuchachos, as, long, as well as Instagram, at bronxmuchachos. Get at us there. And that's that's gonna be it for us. That's a wrap. Good night, muchachos and muchachas. Bye.